Hey, you're listening to Artists and Alley, the podcast that gives you an all-access pass to your new favorite artists and so much more. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow on social media at Artists and Alley. Here's your host, Allie Crump. Today, we are joined by author of Stay On Beat, aligning yourself with winning trends in the music industry, Caitlin Fox. She's not only an author, but she's also a singer-songwriter herself and works in the industry. Um, And I'm very excited to chat with you today about literally all things music. Um, I've been talking about bands all day, and I'm just really kind of excited to delve into the things I've talked about with them, um, about trends um, online right now, and also just like in general um, with your career and how you got to where you have um, been. So kind of just to get us started, what was the first thing you listen to today oh man I'm trying to think back we're in a snowstorm right now um oh my gosh so I was running on the treadmill today and was listening to music I think I was listening to Mumford and Sons but I can't remember what songs it might have been a lot of different ones oh my god yeah I, I bet Mumford and Sons is so good and I have not delved too deep into like everything they've done I've been doing that with the Lumineers so like they're kind of next on my hit parade <laughs> yeah I just I write for the Michigan Daily here at mm-hmm. my college campus and I just reviewed their new album um so I got to listen to that and it's it's so good it's so different than their other stuff too so really? it was refreshing yeah that's awesome I was really excited to see that um Mumford that I don't remember his first name uh did the Ted Lasso uh soundtrack or part of that and I oh, was really? very excited about yeah. that yeah he did this theme song at least I know he does a couple other things um which is I love that and I love Ted Lasso so <laughs> kind of biased in that um so like well Give us, like, I guess the elevator pitch of who you are um, and what you're doing right now. And, like, what we're, like, just give us about, like, just a glimpse of you. Yeah. So (laughs) I am a student right now living in Ann Arbor. I go to the University of Michigan. Um, I'm a senior, so I graduate in a few months, which is really crazy to think about. Um, Yeah. I'm studying English and Spanish. And, uh, yeah, I've been a songwriter for many years, maybe. 10 years, I guess, because I started when I was 12. I'm 22 now. Um, So, yeah, and last April, I wrote a book called Stay on Beat. Um, And, yeah, just kind of playing around here in Ann Arbor um, when I can. But, you know, being a student, sometimes you don't always get the time or the opportunities you're hoping for because you got to get that degree. But, yeah. (laughs) 100 percent um what did you grow up listening to like what was like growing on in your house what did, what was your kind of like picks growing up as you like were able to like kind of decide that you liked music and was like what was that first thing you were listening to yeah i think like the earliest artist i can think of was like miley cyrus hannah montana um my sister and i were like really obsessed with that show um and so i just remember like we got a karaoke machine for christmas one year and like got all of the cds with like the hannah montana songs but um that kind of evolved into taylor swift as she entered the scene and then um i think around like fifth grade my dad introduced me to the beatles and then i started getting into like old classic rock (laughs) um so i'd say like it kind of all over the place there but um yeah I'd say I really started to appreciate music when I started listening to the Beatles and actually thinking about like wow like the sound is so cool and it like exists in the music that I'm hearing on the radio today even so a hundred percent 
it's so I traveled recently um, to go to a funeral for family um, and I drove with my dad to Florida um, and my dad and I have very similar music tastes just in different realms um, and he's always like exposed me to stuff and uh, we had watched a lot of the Get Back or Get Back I don't think it's the Get Back uh, the Disney Plus uh, special on the Beatles um, and we watched that over Thanksgiving so I was like what are we going to listen to um, and we went through like almost all of the Beatles discography um, between that drive and a lot of it I've never heard before just because like you know I have never just taken the time to like listen um, and I am the biggest fan of Magical Mystery Tour like it is a really great album and I'm just so excited to like have it now and like I mean not that I haven't had it before but like just like experience it and like listen to it over and over again and I was telling him I was like this reminds me of like when I listen to Jack Antonoff sometimes when he does bleachers because I know that he does like all of these weird like doohickey things and like it's just so outlandish so it was just like it was just like really cool for me because I was like I'm, I'm experiencing this the experiencing this for the first time and even though it's however many years old like I'm very excited to just like have it <laughs> yeah um and also just like see the the you know the changes and stuff like that and like sound I, I just it's like been my favorite thing the last couple of weeks so I'm like I was like you brought up the Beatles I was really excited <laughs> um so how did you get into music number one and then also how that ended up um like writing obviously you're studying uh write English and Spanish you said um but how was that like kind of path for you yeah so kind of tying into the theme of the Beatles here um <laughs> I I think around like sixth grade, um, my parents, uh, Paul McCartney was coming to town. I live in a suburb outside of Chicago, so he's coming to Wrigley Field. And my parents got me uh, tickets to go see him. So I was like super excited because I was like at the height of my like Beatles obsession. <laughs> um, and I showed up like decked out in like every like Beatles item I possibly could own. And it, we were sitting at like the very back of Wrigley Field. Um, I remember I had like binoculars just to like see the stage um but basically while um, my mom and I were walking to the restroom some British guy like stopped us and was like hey um would you like to you know see the show from the front row and my mom you know like we're in Chicago so my mom thinks it's like a scam so she's kind of like trying to push past this guy and he's like no like I'm Paul's manager like I like how many people are in your party like I'll just give you the tickets right now so my mom's like well we have like four people so he just went like one two three four handed us the tickets um so we went all the way from like the very back of Wrigley Field to like on the field front row like in the center oh my um, goodness so and that was just like very transformative for me because um it that was like one of my idols and I just saw him like just having like the time of his life up there and he's like getting up there you know he's pretty old now um <laughs> and I was just like wow like I really want to do that so um shortly thereafter I asked my parents if I could start taking guitar lessons and that kind of evolved into um you know writing my own music and trying to do what I saw at Paul McCartney do at Wrigley Field I guess <laughs> awesome and where did writing come in that to you as in like 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 the book and you know now you write for the website you mentioned yeah um I've always been writing I think so um the book came to be just because uh during the pandemic you know I was hoping to be able to work or like do an internship of some sort but um then everything got canceled and I was like I don't really know what to do with myself um while we're in lockdown so it seemed like a great time to pursue that project and um 
it was just a lot. Of, it was actually a really perfect time to be doing it because a lot of the book is interviews with people. And so everybody else was not doing anything. So I was able to get in yeah. touch with some really cool people in the industry because they had all this time on their hands. So they're like, sure, I'll talk to this college student for <laughs> this project she's doing. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how the book came to be. Why were those like topics in the book so important for you to write about? Um, or do you think it was kind of more of an exploration for you as a musician to write about and research? Yeah, in the beginning, I um, was like going through a lot of possibilities on what to focus on. For a while, I thought the book was going to be just about women in music because that's something I'm really interested in. Um, both like artists and like on the more like the industry side. Um, But then I was realizing like, there's not a lot to say there that hasn't already been said. Like, I think people are pretty aware now, you know, what's going on. Um, There's still a chapter in my book though, about uh, women in music that I'm really proud of. But yeah, I decided to shift it because I was thinking more about um, the artists that are kind of breaking through on their own um, through social media, especially now with TikTok. Like, um, it's actually insane. I'm seeing artists who, you know, they have one song that, you know, gets picked up by a couple people for their TikToks, and all of a sudden everyone wants to know what that song is. Um, So that's really what the book is about, like those DIY artists who are trying to do it on their own uh, without the support of a label and how, like, just this cultural moment that we're in right now is, like, the perfect time to be trying something out like that heck yeah and i think that like you brought up tiktok which like is constantly a question that i ask in like all of these interviews that i do with different artists because it's so relevant right now and a couple of people that we have interviewed have been like specifically i'm thinking of like games we play um they put out a track probably two three months ago um they pushed it on tiktok there was a little bit of motion but i don't know like in the last like three months like the 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 head of games we play emin he posted a tiktok with his wife uh and it like skyrocketed and now he's been like very verbal about on social media like i've been approached by this label i've been approached by this person by this person the song came out three months ago he made one tiktok a week ago and all of a sudden there's just this whole revolution around this song and like where he's gonna go because that one song from this one tiktok just like skyrocketed had 13 million views and i like scrolled through because i i wanted to see the tiktok i was like this hasn't been on my for you page yet like what is it and my a couple of my friends had sent it to me they're like oh get this guy on your show get this guy on your show before he's too big i'm like he was on here two weeks two 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 episodes go go back um (laughs) but like i was looking and there's like phineas uh billy eilish's brother also incredible producer um and like all of these like large names on tiktok i guess were commenting on it and i just kind of had to like sit back and i was like really (laughs) like not about the song not about him not about the band or anything but like the fact that the power of like one 30 second video can do that for him and his career and it's just fascinating to me (laughs) it's it's wild yeah um and i also think about like the band valley who we've also had and i adore absolutely adore um and they've had a couple songs and now granted they are with a large label already and like i'm sure that there is something there of them telling them to make tiktoks a certain way or like promoting the tiktoks in ways we do not know um as a consumer but it it baffles me it baffles me and especially like 
through COVID, like how so many have like taken that and ran with it. And then now you see like other bands trying to do it. And like some of them just like don't understand, um, which is like, so I don't know. I just think it's so fascinating. So I'd love to like hear like, what are your thoughts about TikTok and like the music music industry? Um, I'm not going to lie. At first, I was very like anti TikTok. I was like, this is very annoying Um, (laughs) and like not going to go anywhere. Um, Even while I was writing the book, honestly, like I talked about it. But in the back of my head, I was like, I don't know about this one. Like I was thinking like it's going to be like Vine, like it'll be out soon. Um, (laughs) But now that I'm like trying to get my music out there a little bit more, like I just did like a small video of like a snippet of a song that I wrote and it's gotten quite a few views on it. Like it's not, it hasn't blown up or anything, but, um, I was just like really surprised cause, um, it's just amazing. I don't know how the algorithm works, but, um, how they just match you with similar things. Like my whole TikTok feed right now is like singer songwriter. So I imagine that, you know, my videos are showing up in the same way for other people. Um, so it's just like an incredible opportunity. Even if people aren't like liking it or watching it very long, like you're still like they're like you're getting that exposure, which is yeah. so valuable. Um, yeah, it's a really, really neat app. And the, I, I think that I'm curious your thoughts of like how I mean, music discovery already is very overwhelming. You open Spotify and there's seven playlists curated specifically to what you listen to and what you should be listening to. And it has not failed me once. Like I am consistently given new artists and artists that I've never heard of, but they fit exactly the energy of three other artists that I listen to. Um, so I'm, I like never have to look anymore you know, for finding new music. I, like, I mean, if I do, like, I like I try to out, outsource as much as I can because of the nature of this podcast and, like, how I want to, like, diversify my sound. Not my sound, but, like, my taste um, and making sure I am listening to diverse groups of people. Um, but it's, like, how as a musician are you supposed to, like... I don't want to say fight that, but, like, kind of best create a plan of attack, I guess, is the best way to put that. Like, how, like, like, what do you think about, like, what is your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's a big conversation right now. It's, like, people calling it, like, how do you, like, cut through the clutter? Because there's so, if, you know, even on Spotify, if, like, anyone can produce a song on their own and put it out there, then that means, you know, there's a lot of music out there. And it's, like... I guess the big question for artists now is like, how do I make myself stand out? Um, Or like what trend or niche can I lean into um, that really matches like who I am and I can connect with people well through that. And I think it takes people a while to figure that out, but a lot of people have cracked the code and they've done really well, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's so saturated. So you really need to like find your niche and um, really lean into that. Yeah. Yeah it's 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 so much I like think about it and I, I remember Chelsea Cutler did a huge post a few months ago about how that artists aren't like they don't go into this because they want to be content creators they get go into this because they want to make music that makes them happy um um but it, that whole conversation alone is like huge right now because of you know, TikTok, number one, and, like, also, like, having to curate an Instagram that's pleasing to somebody who want, who you want to listen to, who you want to listen to your music, um, which is just absolutely fascinating. Um, and the p- pandemic, I'm sure, has not helped. Um, 
And I'm curious to talk to you about that alone um, and like looking at the effect on the industry. Um, and a lot of artists have changed their pace and decided they want to like go back on old music or older music they had written and not released and kind of rework it or slow down their album processes and maybe speed up other processes. Um, how do you think the music industry is going to be fully affected by COVID-19? Yeah, I... I actually wrote about this in my last chapter of the book because when I was writing it, we were still in the middle of everything. And um, the big thing at the time was that a lot of venues were shutting down. Um, So I think, you know, my prediction was more like, oh, like, you know, there's going to be more live streams and like artists are going to take things online, which is partially true, but not as true as I thought. Like, I feel like at least up until Omicron, like a lot of things bounced back to pretty close to normal, um, at least around here um, in Michigan where I am. But uh, yeah, I do think that it, it's interesting because I think it kind of weeded out a lot of artists, the pandemic did because um, suddenly, you know, people, a lot of artists, you know, they make their money playing live shows. So when that's yeah. not available to them, they're not making the money that they need to create that next record. Um, so really it's like the people and like now we're seeing the more records coming out, but they're coming out from the larger artists who could, you know, they didn't depend on that money. So yeah. I think unfortunately for some people, um, and that, you know, stopping music for a little while, cause, um, they just couldn't afford to sit inside and record all day. Like they had to do something to make money. Um, so I think, yeah, it's definitely changed things, but in a subtle way. And I think we're still kind of waiting to see what that looks. It's, it, I think it's going to be really interesting. And I had gotten off a call earlier with, um, two guys from a band um, that I'm not going to say, cause I don't know when releasing this is going to be in relation to. Um, but like, how that you know they can't just like like how much money is it going to cost to like make a single compared to a whole record and like the single game specifically of like the spotify algorithm of releasing singles only versus a whole album um and that was something that i didn't really think about is like the process like the pay like at least paying to make a single compared to like oh like if we're gonna go and we're gonna go deep in a whole album and like kind of just like the game of that is really interesting to me um, and making those decisions of like, well, we're going to make four singles and that's it. And, you know, we see a lot of EPs now um, compared to albums because of those costs, which as a consumer, I don't think about personally. Like, I, I don't ever think about like, oh, this band's only making an EP because they that's all they got. I'm like, no, like they literally just don't have the money to make a whole album. <laughs> yeah. Assuming. Yeah, that's interesting. I just saw so an artist I really like who I also interviewed for the book. His name's Jordy Searcy. Yeah, and yeah, he's a songwriter out of Nashville, and um, he's taken to TikTok and he recently made one where he's like, you know, I'd love to see artists like revisiting their older work. He's like, who's because I think there's so much hype around like new music. Like once yeah. it's like the release day, then after that, it's just kind of like that. You know, that's it. Like you put so much hype around that Friday when your song comes out. So he's currently going back and like revisiting his older songs and like explaining the story behind them or like as a way to boost streams for older work, which I think is so cool. Cause it's like, it's on Spotify, like your newer stuff, but yeah. you know, so like who says you can't go back and revisit that? Like, it's not like it's irrelevant anymore. 
That's really fascinating. I didn't realize he was doing that. I, I found him on one of my Spotify playlists um, a while ago. And that's I, I love that idea because there are so many bands that like put out like like four song EPs, move on, they put out a record. Now the record's touring. Now that they do not go back, they'll play like one song live maybe. Um, and I, I love the main. So I think about the main a lot and how they have like such a like broad discography. Um, and they've like pretty much like put them into eras now of like they already toured love a little lonely they put it to rest they literally had a funeral for the whole album and like i think that is very cool too in a different sense of like we have this body of work that is us at these ages of 22 to 25 per se and we're gonna move on we're gonna go on now we're 26 29 and this is who we are now in an era but the idea of like going back to that and like revis i love that oh my goodness could you imagine if taylor swift did that i know yeah i think it's such a cool opportunity for people like (laughs) yeah so i thought that was neat yeah um and we have a shared love for taylor swift i literally have been wearing this all day because i was like i knew we were gonna end this and talk about taylor swift um i got this in the mail like three days ago and it has been i have not wanted to take it off i was telling my dad i was like i could resell this on ebay right now for a ridiculous amount of money but i want to wear it like i'm wearing this with pride um and you are very interested in her like whole marketing strategy, um, which as a consumer, I do not understand. I understand how great it is and how I spend my money on her um, and how I buy her records and every vinyl I can buy it. Um, but what like, let's just talk about it because it is a mi- like a machine. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, I was most interested in her earlier career um, because even um, like the people that were coaching me through the book were always talking about her, the way she marketed to her fans, like early on in her career. Cause like when she was mm-hmm. famous, it was a little yeah. bit easier, but, um, no, like, uh, when she would go on tour as a new artist, um, at, like a lot of times after the show, artists will just get back on their bus and like, get ready to go to the next destination. But she would literally like sit there and meet every single fan that was in line and like shake hands, sign autographs. Like, I mean, she was there until the last person got their t-shirt signed. And I think that is just so important. Like, I think artists forget that all the time. Like, I can't tell you how many times I go to open mics and people play their song and like leave and then no one can approach them afterwards and like, you know, tell them good job or like connect. Like so much of music is just like, like the after the show and like connecting with people. It's all about networking now. Um, So I just really thought that, you know, her story and obviously it works for her. So I think there is power behind making connections with people. A hundred percent. And like thinking in that, like that's, that's literally Taylor Swift and how there's so many like bands now who like, I, I like the main is like, kind of like my, like when I think of a perfect band, I think of the main, I know they're not perfect, but in my head, they're perfect. Um, they are very in the same vein of like, after a show, we are going to meet as many people as possible. Whoever's out there is out there. You know, we're going to try our best, whether we're standing in line for an hour, let alone an hour and a half, like whatever. Um, and that makes such a difference in, for me as a fan is like, if I, you know, I've met them so many times. I don't need to meet them again. Will I meet them again? Probably. But like, 
the fact that they have that such a deep connection because I've seen them X amount of times. So how many people are seeing them for the first time and this is their first show and they like are excited and that keeps them coming back, you know? And I like to this day, like I have such a special place in my heart because like they like, gave me that as a young fan, you know? Um, and I think that's a perfect example of like, like that, like that's not a marketing strategy, but it is. It for sure is. Yeah, I think part of it is just, I think, like, I get the sense that she enjoyed doing that. Like, she wasn't like, oh, like, this is my, like, strategy to make it. Um, But I do think, like, regardless of who you are, like, people people connect more with you, not so much your music, um, which I think a lot of artists forget. For sure. And um, another topic, and we kind of touched on this earlier, um, is women in music and bettering in, uh, inclusivity. And I am 100% guilty of that. And I look back at the people I've interviewed on this podcast, and there's very much a lack of women, a lack of color. And I 100% know that and like am addressing it to the best of my ability with, with the means I have <laughs> of my small little team. Um, and like I am a very small publication in comparison to all these larger things. So like how can we address that as like a community especially like us being women and like you know bettering ourselves and like I am like very much guilty of listening to like a lot of men and like internal internalized misogyny in myself and for some reason not wanting to listen to women artists and that's another thing I've worked on the last couple years because it's like all I knew growing up was angry 25 year old men screaming how much they hated their town and trying to evolve into that and like why did I hate Casey Musgraves and like all of this stuff (laughs) yeah I think a lot of it as consumers is just like because in my in the book I looked at a couple studies where they were looking at like the Spotify algorithm and mm-hmm. it just like inherently will just spit out male artists um, and whether that's intentional or just because like you know there's just so many you know more men doing music for other reasons you know I think there's a lot of levels to this but um, yeah I think you know you can't rely on the algorithms that are just giving you these playlists like you were saying like these curated playlists um, kind of stepping outside of them and um, exploring other things and if you're not if you don't like a female artist like ask yourself why don't you like that artist is it because like she's doing something that women typically don't do Um, or are you just like it's okay to not like an artist because you just don't you know enjoy that genre or that song but I think a lot of times if I'm not liking a certain song from a women artist I'm like why do I not like this you know is it you know sometimes I find that it's because I'm like oh I'm not used to this you know um so just being conscious of that I think and making an effort to support especially um I think you know we're starting to see more female bands like all female which is really cool I think you know I can't really name a ton off the top of my head of like every single band member is a female um right so yeah I I think you know there's ways around it but um definitely a ways to go hundred percent. And, you know, like with writing this book and all the research and interviews you've done, how has that changed your perspective as somebody in the industry? Yeah, I think it's, I think more than anything, I'm realizing how many opportunities there are for artists and how, you know, like the making it in music can look so different from person to person. Um, I think in our heads, we have this, 
perception of, you know, making it means signing with a label or like, you know, being super popular on Instagram and like having this huge following. But I talked to a lot of people throughout the process who like one guy in the book, he um, he plays music and produces on the side, but he teaches music and he's like, this is making it for me. Like I'm able to like do music like and pay my bills. Um, and I thought that was like, just like a really beautiful reminder that like, um, it looks different for everybody. So if you're, if for one person, it's just being able to perform and, um, not have to work a different job, then, you know, that's just as great as the people that are signing to a record label and getting to do like stadium tours, you know? Um, and yeah, I just think, I think that gets lost sometimes in the messaging, especially when we're seeing so many people striving for, um, you know, more followers, more shows, that sort of thing. More TikTok views. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so looking into your music career, what do we got? What, do you, what, what are you working on right now? <laughs> um, so, yeah, right now I'm really just focused on graduating. <laughs> um, yeah. But I do have a lot of songs that I've written over maybe like the past year or two that I would love to get recorded. Um, I have a close mentor of mine who's a producer and we've been really wanting to tackle this project, but just things keep coming up and we have not gotten to it. So I'm hoping once I graduate and I'm not like inundated in college life, it'll be an opportunity to start working on that. But until then, I'm just kind of posting songs online, playing shows here and there. So, (laughs) which is fine for now, kind of enjoying these last few months of college while I can. Absolutely. How has that been kind of balancing not only like singer songwriter, you also work with Whoa That's Fresh. Um, if I can say that, I don't know if I was supposed to. Say yes, that yes. Um, <laughs> um, who we've had, obviously, and I communicate a lot with a, a lot of people from that team. Um, having a college career, social life, book you wrote, you're also writing for another publication. How has that been for you? Yeah, I think. It's, it's been like such a great opportunity to be able to do all these different things. And for a while I was kind of just wondering like, okay, like what is it that I want to do? And then I realized, you know, no one's going to like tell me what to do or what the next steps are. Like, I just kind of have to like start reaching out. Um, and that's what helped me land my gig with, well, that's fresh. Um, that's what's helped me you know, get to different open mics. So I think just, you know, taking initiative is important. Um, and it's fun because music is like brings people together. So like my friends will come to open mic night with me sometimes. So it's like an opportunity for us to hang out and an opportunity for me to play. So it's like a lot of these things intersect in a really, really cool way too. That's awesome. Well, I have a game. If you want, do you want to play a game? Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> awesome. Well, the game, I'm going to give you a very specific scenario, and I'm going to just ask for the song you think of first when I say it. Um, first song that comes to your head. Uh, you're in the back of a friend's car, and the worst possible song that just, like, kills the vibe comes on. Um, I love this song dearly, but I pick Skinny Love by Birdie. Really? I love that like, song. Like, if you're in the car with a bunch of friends, that's just, like, oh, I'm a little sad now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh my gosh. I don't know. The first song that came to my head was Call Me Maybe. (laughs) But I feel like that's like a sing-along, but I don't know. I feel like some people just get irritated by that song. It's like reminds you of like middle school, maybe. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Making the music video and posting. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Unfortunately, I'm guilty of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that your final answer? I, I'm going to say that's my final answer. Call me a good, that's, a good that's a good choice. That's a good choice. The second one, you are in a foreign country and you're lost. You have no idea where to go and you need to act like you know what you're doing. So you throw in the song to make you feel confident. Um, I picked Formation by Beyonce. <laughs> okay. The first song that came to my head was Barcelona by <laughs> George Ezra. Because like, that's, that's the song I think of like for traveling. And I just feel like it's I do like... Too. Yeah, in my head, it's like, okay, if I'm going to be, like, roaming around a city, that's, like, the soundtrack. <laughs> that's such... That one, and then also Barcelona by Ed Sheeran is also a great one. Oh, my gosh, wait, yeah. <laughs> Both would be very equally the same. Also, I used to love George Ezra, and you're reminding me that I haven't, like, checked up on him in a while. Is he still making music? Do you know? <laughs> you know, I, like, I listen to him all the time, but it's, like, the older stuff. So yeah. I don't even know. Like, I, yeah, I need to check on that. Maybe after this, I'm going to look at his Spotify. No, so, literally same. Because <laughs> I was, like, obsessed with that man. Him and then, like, and then I was listening to Sam Smith at the same time. And I saw Sam Smith live and they were so freaking good. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, and then the last one is you're on the home, on the way home from a date and it went terribly and the person is in the car with you. Um, you have to pick the song to drive drive home with um, for obvious reasons. I, I'm picking all too well the 10 minute version on repeat <laughs> to choose chaos. I feel like I would pick that one too. Like, because it's a good one, and I feel like a lot of men are like really annoyed by that song right now. So it's like maybe it would like encourage the guy to like leave. I don't know. Please like shut yeah. up. Like, yeah. literally. <laughs> no, I. Uh, it's so good. I could talk for hours. I I very much like once Taylor Swift and this kind of obviously like leads into the conversation we had earlier. But like. Once Taylor Swift, like, did not, like, do too much country anymore, I fell off. And it, I don't know if it was because I was too into, like, alt-punk and, like, pop-punk and all that stuff that I was just like, this is bad. I don't want to listen to pop Taylor Swift. Um, so when Folklore came out, I dove through the whole discography again. And I have not looked back since. I'm ridiculously obsessed with Taylor Swift now. Like, it's disgusting. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I think when Folklore and Evermore came out, I, like started realizing how brilliant she is at lyrics like her lyric yeah. writing is insane like I just like folklore is incredible like that's my favorite album like I wish I had the creative capacity to do something like that like everything is just oh, amazing <laughs> it's so good and then like obviously like I went back and listened to like everything so like reputation is like I'm obsessed. It's it's bad, and I've been buying merch, and I it's it's a problem for me. Yeah, and it's funny because like everybody's like, you really used to like hate Taylor Swift. Like you like would verbally say you hate Taylor Swift, and now you're like a big Swiftie. I'm like, yeah. Well, don't judge me. Yeah. <laughs> like I've made some decisions in my life. You have too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I have one final question for you. Uh, musicians, anybody really have any platform, and they have the ability to have a platform to leave a mark on the world in various ways, either smaller or larger. Um, what is the mark that you want to make, number one, as a musician and also just somebody in the music industry? Yeah, I think as a musician, um, 
I think, yeah, music is just a really cool way to share stories and connect with people. Um, one of my favorite genres is folk music. I think it's one of the genres that like does that the best. It's like so rooted in like tradition and storytelling. And I think that's just so beautiful. Um, like going to concerts is one of my favorite things because you're just like surrounded yeah. by people who all love the same music as you do and you're like singing along. So um yeah, just kind of like fostering the community that comes with music is really important to me. And I think that goes on the industry side as well. Like, um, you know, working in PR at, at Whoa, That's Fresh has really showed me um, how cool it is that I get to like promote people's vision as artists and like their stories, especially, you know, as an artist myself, you know, I know how valuable it is to like have people hear like who I am and like where I'm coming from. And like, I think it's just so cool that we get to do that and help people um, share their story and share their music. So yeah, I think that's really cool. Absolutely. Well, Caitlin, do you want to like plug anything, plug your socials, whatever you want to plug, where you can find your book, where you can find you anywhere else? Yeah. So you can find me at Caitlin Fox Music on most socials, like TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I have a website. It's CaitlinFox.com. And then my book is available on Amazon. So you can check it out there. Amazing. Well, thank you for hanging out today, Caitlin. Yeah. Thank you for having me.